Google is in trouble. If you haven't followed the news, they, together with Amazon, Apple, and Facebook, are being investigated for being monopolies and have been interrogated at length by U.S. attorney generals on their practices. In today's podcast, we discuss the stuff that Google does not want you to know but had to reveal under oath and what it means for website owners. Let's get started. Welcome to the Authority Hacker Podcast. No hype, no BS, no censorship. Just real-life online marketing tactics. And now your hosts, Gail Breton and Mark Webster. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Authority Hacker Podcast. Today we're going to do something a little bit different because it's something that will affect you to some extent. And we're going to be talking about the Google antitrust hearing. You know, they are being investigated for being a monopoly right now. So we wanted to talk about this with, you guess who, Mark. So how's it going, Mark? Uh, As always, it's going great. Yeah. Just listen to five and a half hours of congressional subcommittee. Did you listen testing. to every company or just Google? I listened to the whole thing, yeah. That's how much I care about this podcast. Yeah. Which one is the worst according to you? Amazon. I think the the fact that they use the product data from FBA and just like launch competitor products is like quite quite messy to be honest. Yeah. And some of their uh, I think the culture in Amazon is is the worst. It seems like they, they're aware of the failings, but even though they have policies against it, they don't enforce it or can't enforce it. And there's a lot of testimony around that. But in general, all of the CEOs, so we had uh, Amazon, Apple, Google, and Facebook CEOs, all of them were a little bit kind of like, I guess, wordy in their answers. So not really giving straight up answers, but rather giving the like politically Not answering correct. usually. Yeah. So, oh, you know, that's a great question. I'm so glad you asked that. You know, it's such a great question because we do this, this, and this, and we care about our users' privacy and user experience. Yeah. 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 So usually for me, when they didn't answer, it was just yes, basically. That's that's kind of the way I'm looking at it. And when you take that approach, then they're pretty fucked. (laughs) But anyway, let's just go back and explain to people what happened for the people who don't know what happened. Uh, So what happened? So let's just clear up what this is. So this is a, a subcommittee on antitrust commercial and administrative law. Uh, So there's basically 13 people from the U.S. House of Representatives, which is a lower house in the U.S., which I believe is responsible for introducing laws primarily around taxes, government income, that kind of thing. But these are all elected elected officials, and there's 13 people, eight Democrats, five Republicans, so it's a little bit more left-leaning in terms of some of the questioning, at least. This is the same committee, I believe, that had the famous tobacco when they had all the tobacco execs back in the in the nineties, and they they're like, "Do you believe that smoking is addictive?" And they all said no. And then they they yeah, all yeah. like uh, that led to the big like all the tobacco companies being sued and advertising being stopped and also stuff like that. So anyway, this is the first time that all these big tech execs have appeared together to be grilled by by Congress and or by the subcommittee rather, and together, they have... In, in, COVID, in COVID era together, you know? Yeah. They were all remote. They were all remote, and they all had amazing video quality setups, so uh, that was that was pretty cool. Although I guess Amazon, they're watching our podcast, you know? Although Amazon, uh, Jeff Bezos seemed to have uh, a bit more lag than everyone else. He kept talking when, when he was being silenced, so, you know, read, read into that what you will. Uh, but basically, there is a concern that these big tech companies are too big at the moment and that current antitrust regulation, which has been around for hundreds of years in the US, uh, isn't suitable 
to deal with them because they're big tech companies and the landscape, the digital landscape's vastly different to you know, 100 years ago when big oil companies were being broken up by this the same legislation. So they're, the committee's trying, to, the subcommittee's trying to identify whether these laws need to be changed in order to handle modern day reality. So that was the, the primary purpose of it. Yeah, and uh, what happens if they get, like if they say that they are monopolies? They break them up, right? Into multiple companies. Well, that's not the job of this subcommittee. As I understand it, there's a separate department which enforces this regulation. And so this this subcommittee is more trying to determine if they need additional legislation okay. to, to combat it. But potentially, yes, you could have a situation where, you know, Apple or Google is getting broken up. So the ads platform and YouTube and, you know, search and whatever else could be could be separated, potentially. Yeah. Although Microsoft was seen as a monopoly not that long ago and was not broken up, for example. So it's like, yeah, yeah, honestly, I don't really know what happened like with that because I believe they were supposed to be broken up, but then mm-hmm. it never seemed Nothing, to happen. No. And I don't know, they still push you with uh, Edge or Internet Explorer when you install Windows and, and all that. So I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was the pressure on OEMs. That was the problem as well. Like the pressure on OEM of installing Windows by default and all that stuff. Which is actually a thing that came up here with Google pushing uh, Chrome on Dell as well. So they're trying to get them on, on, on all Dell computers. So it seems like that issue hasn't hasn't gone away. But it's interesting that Microsoft wasn't actually here, despite them being, I think, a bigger, bigger company. From what I was reading, the biggest monopoly broken up uh, a while ago was uh, AT&T, actually. They were broken up in eight different companies. So yeah, that's what happens, essentially. And that could have massive implications both on stock markets that are massively led by these companies right now and just the uh, products in general. You know, it's like imagine if Google's broken up into five search engines or something like that would change everything. Anything else you want to say to introduce this thing? Like or like the main topics that were discussed or something? No, not really. I mean there's there's a lot of detail here, a lot of speculation. And just I wanna say that a lot of the statements we're we're making here are not to be construed as Google definitely did this. It's um, evidence leads to think that you know, allegedly is the word. Yeah, and also I want to say as well a lot of the so there is evidence provided actually online, so you can go and read like the emails, the, the email conversations, internal emails in Google, etc. As part of the investigation, and a lot of these emails are, are quite old, to be honest. It's like two thousand five to two thousand eight, nine era, or something like this. So it's not new. Yeah, I think a lot of this stuff already has happened. Like when they talk about plans, etc. For example, it's already done uh, because it's literally like 10, 15 years later sometimes. So yeah, it's a, it take a lot, all of this with a grain of salt. And also, not everything is necessarily gonna necessarily happened or will happen. Uh, they were just old plans basically. So do you want to start with just the interesting bits right away? Sure. I'll start the first one. The first one was actually so part of the investigation that they did found out that 63% of searches that start on Google end on a Google property these days. That's what the guy who has the questions, I can't remember his name, I can't remember which one asked, but uh, that's essentially what he was quoting as a number from an internal investigation. And, you know, it's things, for example, like you search on Google and then you land on a YouTube video, or you search on Google and you land on a local listing, or you search on Google and you read a feature snippet and you don't click anywhere. I guess that counts as like an internal Google search or something. I guess it's something that, I mean, we've seen all the time, right? It's like since feature snippets, for example, we've seen decline in traffic in general to websites. And well, last year we had more than 50% of queries 
that did not result in a click to uh, web property, which I guess is like a large percentage of uh, of these like internal searches, etc. And basically, they were talking on how Google used to be a turnstile of the internet, so they used to distribute traffic to now becoming more of a world garden. And I think and one thing that was quite interesting as well is that actually in one of the internal emails that Google was having, they essentially explained that when they talk about vertical searches, so they talk about like, you know, like sites like Amazon for shopping or they talk like Expedia for traveling, etc. And they're like, well, like um, the open web that we you all loved is basically gone. And now it's like segmented and siloed into different levels and people like either push their app or push their like internal website and never let people leave and you don't get linked out or anything like that. And I think like it's kind of like it's a vision that Google has bought in together with the other guys. And what we're seeing today is is that it's like people like keeping people on Google as well because it's so much more profitable. And they actually acknowledge that this traffic is so profitable, it's crazy to send it for free to other people uh, in the emails and that they could do something with it. And that's when they mentioned building, you know, the, for example, Google Flights and things like that, all the vertical stuff, et cetera. Yeah. Et cetera. I mean, taken in isolation, like promoting your own products in, in your business, like, I mean, every business does that. Yeah. It's just the fact that Google has entrenched itself. It has 90 whatever percent of, of search in, in the US at least these days. And the ability for someone else to build another search engine and compete with it is it's basically impossible at this stage due to... Yeah, they're also mentioning using the search data to enter these verticals, which um, I guess they did. So they essentially have an unfair advantage here because they have all the data before they enter the market. They know exactly how much traffic these sites get and all of that and so on. And they're able to just laser target. It's not just that. It's like how much money they make, how much money they yeah. can make from ads in that space. If you use AdWords um, and you have your conversion pixel on your thank you page, they have your revenue too. They know exactly how much you make, etc. So they know everything. And so they were able to use that. So I guess for like uh, for site owners in general, it's just like, well, it's like same as Amazon with FBA, right? It's like we, I mentioned earlier that Amazon uses FBA data to figure out which verticals to enter and just kill companies and just like make it cheaper and use their size to take it over. Well, Google is kind of doing the same research essentially. It's not really affecting like most people listening to this podcast, to be honest. Like you're too small for Google to, to care that much unless you're like in travel, for example. Or like, for example, product reviews in general. I think product reviews is something that Google has started to look at now. So if you Google like best something, then you, you get like these snippets, some, these uh, shopping snippets on top, etc. I guess that's how they're going after that. But I think, yeah, I think not... featured snippets in general. Um, yeah, is that I mean, right? I watched the entire the entire five and a half hour thing, and the word featured snippet wasn't mentioned once. Yeah, yeah, they say still content. Yeah. So prior to what we have now, what we call now as featured snippets. There have been, like the weather has always had a featured snippet since as long as I can remember at least. And there was, there's been a few specific cases which were brought up in the hearing. Interestingly, one of them's a site called Celebrity Net Worth, which unsurprisingly has loads, yeah. of, loads of articles about how much, what the net worth of each celebrity is. Um, actually, they used to be an ex-client of ours for our agency yeah. um, back That's in the funny, day, actually. before this, this all happened. But... Uh, Google was accused of stealing content from Celebrity Net Worth and displaying it essentially in, in feature snippet format so that people wouldn't you know, go to Celebrity Net Worth. They'd just get everything yeah, from Yeah, it's the feature snippets. You know, when Google. I talk about keyword research these days, like I tell people, if you can answer the query, the entire query within the feature snippet, then don't write about that keyword because nobody's going to click it. You know? So it's like, how old is this person? Or like, you know, how much money are they worth? So like something that is like 
a one sentence answer, then it's not even worth writing anymore because you get so little traffic even though you rank, you know? Yeah, and the subcommittee chair who posed this question said that they had heard consistent statements about this kind of thing from from Google. Uh, he used the word stealing. The Google CEO said he disagrees with the characterization. Disagreeing with characterization is a phrase that did come up surprising, unsurprisingly a lot, probably so 20 or 30 times. Happen. Yeah, he just says that he doesn't like the world. There was a, there's another couple of examples. So Genius, which uh, was like a musical lyrics company, uh, this was actually quite a famous case. So they caught Google displaying their lyrics on their on their site, and they actually put some fake words in the lyrics that Google or that Google then scraped and were displaying. So they kind of caught them red-handed. This was brought up and. Google claimed that it actually purchased the rights to that from another company and that they, that other company had like scraped. misappropriated them or whatever, scraped them. Then there was another situation with, with Yelp and like Google was stealing, again, these are the wor- words of the, the committee, um, content or reviews from Yelp and displaying it on, on Google. And then there was the, at one point, I think Google threatened to delist Yelp or some, something, yep, something like that's that. That's exactly so, what happened. They said, let us tell your content or I'll read index you basically. Yeah. And the hearing didn't go into this, into this, this bit specifically because they seem to be like maybe three or four years behind what's going on today. And it's only in the last couple of years really that feature snippets have really started to, to affect, you know, smaller people like you and I. It's a massive deal. Um, and, and affiliates. But I remember that the case, I think it was a vacuum cleaner or something. It was like best, the keyword was best vacuum cleaners. And then the result, the feature snippet was a list of the best vacuum cleaners pulled from one of the websites. And then there was the Google Shopping links to all of those products that had been pulled from that curated list. And like for me, that is kind of like crossing the line because you're in the situation where like... Yeah, it's not just that. You know, for the lyrics, they do the same. So they, they, they promote YouTube music, basically. So they want you to subscribe to the premium music service using the lyrics that were stolen. <laughs> Uh, from there, so it's like it's kind of the same stuff. You know, they monetize stolen content. You know, yeah, that's like an example of how that can affect you know an affiliate, like someone listening to the show. Uh, it's not just big, huge sites that uh, that that are affected by this, and left unchallenged completely. That like there's no end to to where this this could go. Uh, so the one thing, one good thing, which I I guess took away from watching all this was that to an extent. The fact that this has been brought up and repeatedly questioned to Google may make them think twice about going too far with this with this kind of thing. Do you think they would regress back? Do you think we'd see like maybe no. more traffic sent to the feature snippet? Like they would change the layout so that people click more. Maybe put a button or something, you know, something like this. You know, I don't know. I'm, all I'm saying is that I think they're going to be a little less brazen about doing this in future. I think as Google's become larger and there's more antitrust type attention on it, it needs to start policing itself. Essentially, it was you know a startup with a startup mentality, like do whatever for the longest time. But as it's matured, it has to have some better corporate governance and, and that, those kind of systems in place. So One thing that shocked me as well when I checked all this stuff is that basically in their internal documents, Google admits to be using signals that they would say, like if you go in a webmaster chat or something and John Mueller and all of that, they will tell you they don't use, right? So for example, click-through rate, number, like clicks from people to search, like they'll tell you it's not a ranking factor. And then these really old emails 
already mentioned that. And they said they use that as a way to determine the quality and they use the user, like the user metrics, et cetera, and the clicks, they mentioned that to do that. It's also congruent with like testing we've done. So I don't know if you remember, like a while ago, we released that blog post on like fastest WordPress team. And then I went on my Facebook and it's like, uh, there's a bunch of people like following me on Facebook. And I was like, can you guys just Google fastest uh, WordPress team and click on our result? And then through clicks, we managed to take it from like, bottom of page one to like number three or something temporarily, like when the click, click, the click stopped, like the rankings went down. If you go it now, I think we're on page two or something. But yeah, like, and we've done it several times. I've done it a few times on my profile and every single time, just by posting on social media, our rankings went up, right? So it's quite congruent what they're writing in their internal emails and what we've observed. But you go to Webmaster Chat and then they'll tell you, this is not a ranking factor, don't worry. It's more about having quality content, da 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 and it's kind of annoying. And uh, essentially, it's just pointing out that the information that Google gives to webmasters is also, it not only does Google steal content from webmasters, but they also give, I don't know if it's purposely or not. The question is, does John Mueller know himself or is he fed by his superior with information that Google wants to give to people and the best liars just don't know they're lying, you know? And so it's like, I don't even want to blame John Mueller himself. It's more like the company in general that has this attitude that obviously some people internally know that this matters, but the people that talk to webmasters and people who create the content that then Google steals <laughs> do actually tell people the opposite. And so I think it's one of the reasons they would try to hide that is because it's quite easy to manipulate. I mean, if I can post on social media and push, push my rankings up, imagine what you can do on like a sales period, for example. Imagine for Black Friday if you can boost your rankings by buying clicks on Mechanical Turk or something, like that, which uh, people do already. It, it does happen, and I imagine that as we talk about this, more people will do that. But it's, uh, I guess they just don't have good filters for that, or they're not as good as maybe for links, etc. Like this, because it's much harder because they don't have as much data about people who just randomly go on Google not logged in than they would have from like links from sites that they've been tracking for years, right? So I could imagine it's, the, it's much more complicated than that. But same, like for example, right now if you Google coronavirus, for example, you will see that. Uh, the sites that get, the, some sites that do really well don't have the most links, but because, for example, these, I'm thinking about this uh, World Info statistics site, for example, like that was definitely not the strongest site, but because they have the most up-to-date stats, people click on them a lot, and then they rank pretty much number one now above government sites and everything, despite link data not, not confirming that. So I think it's like, for me, what it does, this stuff, is it breaks trust with anything that Google says officially through their PR channels. It doesn't mean that this not that everything they say is not I mean, true. I mean, did, did you believe them in the first place? Or? Well, it's like, I didn't believe everything, but at the same time, you know, I also thought that a lot of people were like conspiracy theorists and being a little bit too crazy about this, etc. And Google didn't give a shit. And like, what was the interest in lying, etc. And now, trusting them a bit less on this stuff. And it's like, and I'll be even more critical to anything they put out there. And I, I think it's dangerous for Google to create a defiance towards webmasters as well, especially if they rely on them for stuff. So it's like, yeah, it's unfortunate. It'd be nice to be a little bit more. Uh, when a question is asked explicitly, like you don't have to advertise it, but when a question is asked explicitly to lie is a bit is a bit uh, is a bit annoying, you know. It's like I'd rather them not answering the question then, you know. There was a uh, a question that they were asked: Does Google intervene manually on individual search search results? And they they answered, we don't manually intervene on particular search results. So they automatically do something. But so they basically said, oh yeah, we do, but we do it algorithmically. Yeah, exactly. And then there was this whole debate about like, well, well, how is the algorithm made? Oh, it's by person. Also, I think they're tricking people because, like, I think they, you know, they kind of have topics they might inter, uh, they might influence them, but it's not a search result. 
It's like, let's say that you have the singular and the plural. So they change both. It's not exactly changing your search result if they just like change it like an area or a topic. You know what I mean? Like They also talked about, so they have a deceptive news blacklist. So they have determined publication sites which are, are characterized by deceptive news. And there's quite a lot of debate in the call about, in the hearing about this, because particularly from the Republican, hated, yeah. Republican yeah, side. Because sure. <laughs> there's several publications and and. And, and stories that are been that have been suppressed, and those been suppressed t- tend to be more right leaning. And Google is more liberal in its like staffing and employees. So there is numerous questions from the Republican members on saw, you know yeah. its policies there and, and and things like that. Because also there was this there was actually an internal email that was quoted by a Republican guy. That were like uh, a senior member of staff of Google, like was trying to push like Latino vote in key states and swing states, etc. Like we don't know if it's true or not. It's like this guy seems pretty. Like I've seen this guy uh, question Fauci as well for the coronavirus stuff, and he's very very biased. It's questionable how how they orient the questions as well. It's not just Google being evil here. There's also something where, and the Google CEO was in on this email when someone said something about like pushing. I think it was pushing Clinton or like hurting hurting. Trump's election, something, something, yeah. something like that. And when asked about it, the CEO of Google said that, oh yeah, that was a joke or something like that. Yeah, and um, that was a bit iffy. But what I was going to say about the uh, individual search results is Google said that they have something called fringe ranking, and that is responsible. My understanding is that that is responsible for scoring the fringeness, I guess, of a publication or a website. So, and I'm just wondering how much of that was related to, for example, like the medic update, which, you know, essentially penalized sites who, which were less evidence based. So things like, you know, anti vaccinations or uh, like anti GMO organic food, things like, things like this were. Sites which are pushing that kind of content, essential oils, and that were, were penalized a lot more, including one of our sites, which we've we've talked about many times. And I actually think like a part of part of that was like maybe the correct decision. There's certainly one or two search results I can remember just being like absolutely appalled by what was ranking number number one there, and like you know it could could generally hurt people. But what this committee was kind of getting across as well. You and this wasn't just aimed at Google, but like Facebook and the others as well, primarily Google and Facebook. But you guys are so big and you have so much content and so much control over this. And then they were like, well, on the one hand, can you stop extremist or, you know, hurtful speech or results? And then they're like, yes. And then the committee was like, well, we have this example of where, you know, something about face masks being a joke was allowed to reach 20 million people by on Facebook on Monday or something like that. And then they were Zuckerberg was a bit bit queasy about answering that, but basically the the, the question is: Can you self police? Are you effective at self policing? And then on the other hand, if you are self policing, what's to say you're not going too far in your own agenda or ideology? No, is, yeah, it's is like it, you're this. making editorial decisions at that point. You know, yeah. it's like um, it's like from the moment you start censoring stuff, it's like you can't be a hundred percent objective, and it's like. You know, these tech companies obviously have more liberal people than uh, than conservative people. It's like there's a lack of representation from these people that uh, I guess maybe they could try. It's like you can't even scan that when you recruit people, and you're not even allowed to do that. To be honest, I think it's illegal, so they can't even do it. 
<laughs> so it's illegal for them to try to be bipartisan. At the same time, they're asked to be to try to stay objective, which is quite complicated. I think I think it's like it's easy to give them shit about that, but it's also extremely difficult to balance this. You know, it's extremely difficult to do it, which is why the committee may be right in saying that. Well, if you can't actually do it, then shouldn't we shouldn't we step in and legislate that? Yeah, but then then if the government if the government legislates what's good and bad. It's also a problem when governments become authoritarian, you know? It's like, it's also, that's why news tend to be plural. That's kind of the solution. That's why monopolies are bad, basically. And part of this debate is around, like, what is equal representation? Because if you say, like, climate change and anti-climate change should be given equal voice 50-50 because they're two opposing ideas, or should one be given a voice represented by how many people are in favor of it or believe it or whatever. So that's like a whole whole other debate as well. One thing that Facebook did actually say is that while the enforcement is left to you know, its employees with their inherent biases, the creation of the frameworks to police it and you know what's fringe what's not fringe is more bipartisan and they have like independent committees and you know they get equal representation from from all sides to try and uh establish those things but then the guy was like well can you name one conservative publication that which is on contributed to that and it was like he couldn't so yeah not quite sure on, on yeah, those things. Yeah, fair enough. It's hard to tell. But I think it's more the fact that they're, they're so big, I think, the main problem. Because, like, you know, if, Fo- if Fox News was the biggest TV channel in the world and had 90% of all viewership, it would also be a problem, right? It's like, it's the same thing, you know? So it's like, it's more about, like, the, like that's why the only way to balance news is to just have many more or less similar-sized outlets. And I think, uh, I think that's why the antitrust thing is here. Uh, but it's quite interesting, this fringe ranking. And I'm wondering... It's probably algorithmic, right? It's like it's not someone just looking at it and putting a score. I guess that. Do you think that means that EAT is uh, is real? <laughs> I mean, they've confirmed that fringe ranking is real for yeah. for an extent. So, I mean, EAT specifically being a a thing, it's, I don't know. Yeah. But like the what EAT represents, I mean, of course that that's going to be a thing, like authoritativeness or or, or trust. Yeah. Like, of course that's going to be a thing, but just not I think in EAT the way is that, the concept, and fringe ranking is the metric. That it's one of the metrics they use to make it happen in real life, basically. And they put a score of one to ten, basically of like one being untrustable and ten being very trustable, for example. So it's quite interesting. I think one thing I saw as well is around the human raters. So when you ask in same, when you ask to in a webmaster's chat, etc., you're like, oh, how do you guys use human raters? And they usually say, we use it to test different versions of the algorithm. We give two versions of the setup to a human quality rater, and he just says, I like the one on the left, or I like the one on the right better. And based on that, we pick you know which changes we want to roll out based on how this was calculated, right? Yet. And then they say, oh, these don't affect the algorithm at all and they don't actually influence rankings, right? And again, this was a partial answer. This wasn't exactly a lie. This was a partial answer. So what the internal emails say is that they don't use the answers from the human raters as ranking signals, but they use these to feed machine learning, basically. So they use, and it's like, it's a little bit different from like, already making the algorithm, then asking people to choose versus making the algorithm based on people's choice. And what it means is that in the end, Google is just trying to replicate that human choice thing. And, uh, and actually people's answer to these things actually has 
an influence on rankings later. It's just they haven't made that choice. They just try to replicate the choice with machine learning and just scale this up. But it's a little bit different than quality control, right? It's actually using this as a signal to teach a computer to make the same choices in the future. And so as a result, like now you understand why they have so many human quality raters, because I don't think they need as many if it was just to quality control search. And I think they, they do a better job in the short term, at least. Again, it's one of these things where you go to the webmaster's chats and they tell you one thing, and you read their internal emails and it's something else. And really, I think this kind of stuff is, because of the timeline, I think it matches with Google Panda more or less. So I think, um, and it's like, you know, when they release Google Panda, they were like, oh, ask yourself, would you put your credit card details on that website? Would you do these? Would you, like, you know, questions they would ask to humans, to be honest. So I think uh, this and maybe Rank Brain and things like that, and just the fact that Panda is rolled out in inside the core algorithm now, was the making of that and uh, the making of these kind of updates that we can't really understand saying, oh, it's just about links, oh, it's just about this, etc. It's more them trying to essentially replicate that human mind of deciding, like, do I like this page, do I not like this page? And, you know, they could do the same for backlinks, for example. They could be like, do you like this thing, do you not like this thing? Is it, and then just kind of replicate that and then just process backlinks in that way. And then it's like, you know, a hundred different factors that come in when they essentially try to emulate that human decision, and that's why it's so hard to point out as SEOs what these updates are, and like something like Medic rolls out, and if they build these algorithms based on that, essentially, and they need a lot of input to create this kind of machine learning. Like that's why they have they have like tens of thousands of human raters that all they just say, I like this, I like this, I like this. That's because you need millions of input to actually put something that's semi decent. Uh, and then I guess they use also A-B testing in the SERPs to get your feedback without you knowing. And, uh, and so it's a, it's a little bit different. And I think that explains a lot of updates that uh, were unexplained. And that explains the updates when Google's like, there's nothing to fix. You should just have great content and read the search guidelines. Well, basically, they're just using, the, they're using this and they're trying to, to copy that. And they were saying they didn't do that. So again, lack of transparency. And even if we know, like, what does it change? It's not like I can change a lot of things in the way I approach things. So it's like, it's like why do they not tell you? And that, that, that is a little bit irritating to me. And again, it's, like, like, it's not like I'm going to figure it out because I know how you do it, because anyway, I don't know how your algorithm works. So I don't know. It's like it feels like Google just lies to webmasters because they're so afraid of being caught upon, or maybe like maybe they have bad memories of like SEO 15 years ago where you could just stuff keywords and they have no control over this. They don't even want to tell you how they do things. Are they afraid of competition? They're afraid of like DuckDuckGo doing the same thing, for example, or Bing doing the same thing, etc. And so it's like a competitive advantage. Do you not think that it's more likely that it's just it relies on? Good search results rely on people not knowing how to manipulate the the algorithm. Yeah, and therefore maybe. The more the, the more info they give about how to do that, and the easier it is, then the 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 less good their search results are going to be. So basically, you can trust Google Webmasters chats as much as you trust the White House correspondent when they give you press briefings, basically. Yeah, or I mean, like even they're basically less. spin master. They're spin doctors, you know. They're just spinning whatever the story makes them look better to the public. Even basically. less though, because like Google Webmaster, they're not caught, they're not held to account by anyone. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and nobody cares that much. Like it's like it's such a small industry. Like like the general public doesn't care about webmasters. One thing, what often happens in these antitrust 
kind of uh, hearings is that primarily left-leaning politicians will be like, break them up, break up the big companies. And then the right-leaning ones will be like, don't break up the big companies. But now maybe not yet. There was one really interesting comment by the lead Republican, I forget what, what the guy's name is, but the senior Republican on the committee. He was like, uh, he actually asked the question, has GDPR entrenched big tech companies? So when that that was a European reg, regulation, when that came out, did that actually hurt big companies? Did it make them did it make them harder? Or did it hurt small companies because the le legislation was so complex and difficult to understand and implement, and small companies didn't have you know big legal teams? Um, he was very concerned that any regulation which was put forward. Um, to attempt to sort of rein in or control these big tech companies would inadvertently hurt smaller companies. Um, and we've seen that many, many times. GDPR was one, the Vatmos thing, which was supposed to like target Amazon, just made it much more harder for small e-com companies in, in uh, Europe to figure out their shopping cart VAT, VAT sales tax regulation, all this kind of stuff. And it really, I mean, that really echoed home like true with, with with us like i i i felt like that was a a big issue uh, it was later brought up as well that and i don't really understand this thing about first party and third party cookies but has it was asked that has banning third party cookies disadvantaged google and puchai the, the google ceo really tried to dodge that question and then eventually admitted that no, it has not disadvantaged Google because Google can get that data from other sources, but it has disadvantaged competition. Um, so that's something something interesting as well. Yeah, basically, as we try to avoid breaking up the monopolies and making rules around them, it actually makes you need to apply the same rules to everyone, and just it's easy for these big companies to fix it, and it's because they have all the resources, and it's not easy for you. Basically, you had something about the military or something, the Chinese military. Yeah, so there was a Department of Defense project. I think it was called Project Maven, which uses some kind of AI technology. I'm not sure exactly what it did, but Google pulled out of that $10 billion contract on citing ethical grounds. I think it had something to do with, there's maybe like some kind of internal activists and some people wrote a letter, some people within the company complained and got a bunch of signatures and wrote a letter to the CEO or management or whatever. Anyway, they pulled out of this. And a lot of the Republicans were, you know, why are you pulling out of this? Kind of concerned. And then it came to light in these hearings that Google was funding some research and actually had some people in some Chinese universities. By the way, China came up a lot in these discussions, people sort of bashing China, the people on the committee rather. But Google had someone in these Chinese universities working on some kind of AI tech. And that, that tech then later found its way into some Chinese fighter jet targeting system. And so there was an argument like, how, is Google essentially working for a for, foreign military, yeah, but China, not, yeah. not our own? And there was lots of discussion about, yeah, how the bias affected things. And there's even some things more recently with like the Black Lives Matter protests wave uh, in, in the US and how there were some similar letters from 2,000 employees wanting to like stop Google providing services to the police. Like I think that was like G Suite and email and that kind of stuff. So they're they're basically um, the committee was asking for Google's position on that, and so they were trying to clarify that without again without saying anything or committing to anything. Can you commit to not 
taking away technology from the police and they're like oh, we believe that the law enforcement provides a vital role in our community and blah 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 so it was it was very, yeah, very boring answers yeah 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 that was that was kind of a theme throughout all the this you know people just waffling a lot without really saying anything this is the no the no bullshit version basically I mean, but it might be interpreted a bit so it's like if we're wrong google feel free to outreach to us let's do some debate stuff like i want to like i think we talked about the main points that we wanted to talk about but I wanted to know, like, what do you think all this stuff means for the future of building websites? People who listen to this podcast, what could change for them based on this whole investigation? Obviously, they're just investigating whether they need to change the law right now, which uh, means we're pretty far away from any government action, I imagine. Well, that's that's different from enforcement of the law. So there are exactly. also, case, there's some case in California and there's, I read something in The Economist about them wanting to have some kind of, start some kind of antitrust hearing prior to the election, at least. Um, so this is, I mean, it, it's still happening. And I, I think there, this is definitely not the last we've heard about this, even if the laws don't change and are, are suitable, enforcement of them is a separate thing. And there seem to be cases here which demonstrate that actually, yeah, some some issues have been, some lines have been crossed. In terms of how this affects you and I, or you know, the average website owner, authority yet, site so. owner, it doesn't for now. I think they'd be a bit less aggressive in rolling out new stuff, et cetera, maybe. Like they might be less aggressive in sending, like a, in growing no click searches, et cetera, or like changing the layout so that it grows even more and so on. Yeah, I mean, we were, we were talking about, you know, a day when Google has like a hundred, you know, a hundred percent of the results to Google's properties and that. And I think that is probably never going to happen. I mean, it, it may increase further from where it is now, but this is definitely a signal that, hey, you know, you guys yeah, are maybe the pushing the boundaries a little bit. Yeah. You need to rein it in. Otherwise, we'll regulate. And so I think this kind of warning shot has maybe been heard. And that may impact future decisions in Google, which hopefully will stop, you know, blatant theft of content and snippets. You know, they need to make it less obvious. Shopping links and yeah, those <laughs> kinds of things. I think also it's like you need to look at the alternative, right? Imagine they go and they like Congress, like, okay, we need to break up Google into six search engines. That would also be a bit of a nightmare for for everyone, to be honest, and including website owners, because then you. Need I don't to think they would. You. That's not really how they break up companies. They yeah, they, they would Gmail, separate. Et yeah, they would separate. You know, maybe Gmail, Google search. Cloud, yeah. YouTube, search, and maybe yeah, AdWords. I'm not. I'm not sure. But the the problem with Google is that. Its ad business, its entire ad stack, it makes eighty percent of its revenue of Alphabet. Yeah, then the rest is not that entire revenue and a hundred percent of its profit. So yeah. it's like you just have a bunch of other companies like pissing away money on bandwidth and other stuff. And yeah, they're just generating data for the adver- advertising platform. So, basically. so um, you still end up in a situation where they are somewhat integrated or, or very dependent on each other, and then you know what are the different incentives there. But um, I mean, part of me is just like, it'd be quite interesting to see what, what would happen if Google... You know what I think is never going to happen? Because the S&P 500 is composed at more than 20% of these companies now, uh, if you include Microsoft. And so, especially in the current times <laughs> that we're living in, obviously the American government spending trillions of dollars to make sure the stock market is not collapsing. And so, would they really cancel that by breaking up the companies that actually drive drive the market right now? That's quite a silly 
question. I don't, first of all, I, I would disagree the government is propping up the stock market per se. That's a side they're effect. They're trying to help the stimulus economy, yeah. they're doing, but it's not to prop the stock market up. I know, but like think about people who want to be reelected, right? It's like, would they push really hard for breaking and including their own savings essentially for like, at least in the short term, like uh, thanking that? Yeah, I mean, I don't think it's quite as significant, especially the people on the subcommittee. You know, you, you, I th I'm pretty sure they'd be required to disclose any kind of yeah, holdings or, or whatever. Um, the U.S. is pr quite strict. They probably own stuff. Yeah, the U.S. is quite strict with that. There was when coronavirus came out. There was um, a few. This is quite strict that for got, that, but Trump can't really got busted it. like uh, short selling stocks before they announced all the lockdowns and yeah, I saw that stuff like that. Anyway, we're getting a bit into uh, politics. Yeah, let's not go that. Well, like for me, it's important. It's important because that could mean like what's going to change in search, etc. Like it's like if if there is a market drive for this. There are many political reasons why someone either would want to break up the likes of Google or would actively try and stop it. The S that logic about the S and P five hundred is is not one of those those reasons. All right. though. Okay, so now that we essentially have proof that Google lies regularly to webmasters. What do we do with any kind of communication that they send our way through tweets, for updates, through these webmasters chat, etc.? Should we even look at what they're saying? Yeah, hundred percent. Like, still got to listen, listen to them. But I mean, from our perspective, I don't think anything's changed. Like, we always take what they say with it with a pinch of salt. Right? I, know. I remember 2012 when uh, Matt Cutt said, uh, "If you're doing guest posting, large scale guest over, posting, yeah. you should probably shop. Is it? We're shutting it down or something like that." And you know. Eight years later, guest post links still help, help, help a site in, in many cases, not in all cases, in many cases. So, and I remember writing a post back then for our agency blog about how to interpret things Google are saying and really like digging in, reading between the lines, which is fine when they're, they're being honest and they're just being a bit wordsmithy about it. But when they're straight up saying, we don't do this, when in fact they do do this or vice versa, then that gets Tonight, really, yeah. really challenging. What kind of frustrates me sometimes is the selective quoting of things Google says. So you have an SEO who says, you know, like uh, something bad about link building, but then like because Google says this or, you know, so-and-so's uh, link building strategy doesn't work. Look, Google even said guest posts are bad, blah, blah, blah. But then you know, they have their own own service Agenda, providing yeah. something similar yeah, yeah. or whatever. You know, I know so what you're talking you, about. <laughs> you've got to be a little bit cautious, not only in listening to Google, but listening on people quoting Google as if that's fact, and really just try and keep an open mind about this this stuff because most people and ourselves, I mean, we've probably done this at some point as well. Yeah, I'm sure you can. If you listen to all the podcasts, you can probably find a dozen examples easily. But I think the SEO community as a whole is not the most subtle at interpreting what Google says as well. And and what we say, like I get quoted my quoted my own stuff like very misinterpreted and I'm like, that's not what I meant. And also Google plays with that as we say. So for example, when they say we don't intervene on on single queries, maybe they intervene on a group of queries. Maybe they intervene on the, the singular and the plural of a query and maybe uh, like a few different variations. And and as a group, they intervene on the results, and then the answer to that question was correct. They don't in, they don't intervene on individual results. And actually, they call they call individual results a single page listing. So maybe it's multiple page listing that they intervene on or something like this. And it's like and now we 
would actually not also qualify the answer as true while not being what you think it is. And so you need to be quite careful. Uh, there was an SEO in Chiang Mai that told me essentially Google uh, lawyers you all the time with the answers. And, you know, like same as the quality rate of stuff, etc. Like it's not 100% a lie what they said, but like they mass- massively misguide you while not like you can't, like if you take this and you put them in front of the truth, they're like, well, if you actually read it that way, I, I didn't lie to you. And so you need to be really, really careful with what they do. It's misleading. It's dishonest. But it's also what happens, which, uh, yeah, pisses me off a bit towards Google, to be honest. It's like, I'm a, it's, I knew they were not like the nicest company for sure, but it's just like, it's like working with them seems more and more difficult, basically, as time passes. I, I, I mean, I kind of suspected or like my, my view on the way they handled these things prior to this was pretty much the same. I guess this has really just confirmed many suspicions. Yeah, yeah. That I had, and they came out of it. Honestly, they did all right. You know, their their CEO is quite. Uh, he toes the corporate line quite well and doesn't yep, really push the boundaries too much. So, you know, I don't think that it's, it's hurt them in a significant way. Honestly, I think the Amazon response is like yeah, maybe was... a bit more impactful, and that is, I think, where we're we are likely to see some some legislation or some enforcement at least um, happen first. Yeah, okay. Well, I think we can slowly wrap this up. Do you have any final words on this? No, not really. I wouldn't recommend watching the whole thing. It's no. uh, it's a bit of a talking shop and it's just, it frustrates me. How would you compare it to when... season eight of Game of Thrones, for example? Oh, Game of Thrones is much better. But <laughs> Wow, so if season eight is better, then... Uh... It frustrates the hell out of me when people in those situations are, are asked questions but can't or, or or don't give straight up answers and just talk around it and thank oh, yeah. them for how good a question it was. I would love to see you know a few SEOs invited That'd to fun, yeah. uh, question them or even I to assist Campbell, the. Uh, I want or even to assist, <laughs> <laughs> even, even even to assist the representatives um, on the, in, on the yeah. in their in their questioning. I will say that there was a the case in. Two years ago in 2018, when Mark Zuckerberg was questioned and uh, people were saying, like, well, how does Facebook make money if it doesn't sell anything? Oh, we sell ads. (laughs) I've definitely seen that the subcommittee here, they've done their homework. So they they, they know know a lot, but they're about three or four years behind where where the market's at. I mean, these these kind of things have been talked about by SEOs, by FBA sellers, like really for the last three, four years. So if any, Elected representatives are are listening out there. Um, send us an email, and we'll we'll tell you what to really ask them. <laughs> We're not even living in the US. I don't think they care that yeah. much. But like, we can connect you with someone who lives in the US and does SEO if you want. Anyway, we're gonna wrap it up. And if you enjoy this kind of content, if you want us to break down the kind of like news that might impact you as a site owner, then uh, don't forget to subscribe. There's a subscribe button below on YouTube, or you can subscribe on any podcast platform and drop us a thumb up. Drop us a comment. And if you have any questions, you can either come during the live when we release this podcast on Monday evening European time. Uh, you can just check our channel. There will be an announcement there. Or you can just drop in the comment below and we will try to get back to you. If you have any questions regarding this or just authority size in general, we'll try to get back to you. So drop us a comment below. We're looking forward to your comments. And we'll see you next week for another episode. <laughs>